0: So you've probably heard of the children's book, Where's Waldo, where the object of each page is to find Waldo in the midst of the crowd. But have you heard of Looking for Nina? Looking for Nina. So back in 1945, a man by the name of Al Hirschfeld decided to celebrate the birth of his daughter by... Placing her name in the background of one of his drawings in the Sunday New York Times. Well, initially, this is this just, just something he planned to do, something fun he planned to do in this one drawing. But it quickly became his personal trademark as it caught on across the nation. And so he began to, in all of his drawings in the New York Times, he began to hide the name Nina along with other names at times. And he would even put, he, he began to hide the names multiple times in one drawing. And so he would put a number by his signature on the drawing so that people would know how many times they were looking for the name. And so people that knew about this, when, when they would get their Sunday morning paper, they would head straight to the cartoon section and they would look for these drawings so they could begin looking for Nina. So we're in a series right now titled Undeniable Joy. And as we're going through this series, we're simply walking through the book of Philippians. So let me just pause right here and remind you of our working definition for biblical joy. Joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us, regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. And remember, the spirit that I'm referring to, when I say the spirit that's at work within us, the spirit I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, which is given to every single believer upon the moment of our salvation. And so if you've given your life to Christ, then you have received the Holy Spirit in your life, and therefore you have a spirit that is at work within you That that can work to produce joy in your life, even if the circumstances of your life are not joyful. Now, if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, then understand, that's your first step. But before you begin pursuing joy, you need to first pursue Jesus. Your first step is to turn from your sins and and to allow Jesus Christ to come into your life, to, to redeem you, to save you, to transform you, and when you receive Christ, you will receive his spirit into your life as well. And this spirit will begin uh, producing this joy in your life. But we cannot have the Holy Spirit apart from having Christ. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, then that's my prayer for you today, that today would be that day for you. Now, I realize that I repeat that each week. But the reason that I repeat this each week is, is because I want this to get deep down Inside of you because here's the reality as humans. We may not be looking for Waldo and we may not be looking for Nina But the truth is is that many times we are looking for joy We're looking for something in our life that that will produce a joy in our life a a true and a lasting joy for us unfortunately all too often I think we're looking for joy in all the wrong places You've heard the song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Many times we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. We're looking to our circumstances to produce joy in our life. We're looking to our stuff to produce joy in our life. We're looking to relationships to produce joy in our life. Or we're looking to money to produce joy in our life. We're looking for joy in all the wrong places, and and there's nothing wrong with, with those things in and of themselves, but those things, they may produce temporary happiness for us, but they cannot produce a true and lasting joy in our lives. So let me just pause right here and ask, where are you looking for joy today? Where are you looking for joy today? Are you looking to temporary things Or are you looking to the eternal one? If you look to temporary things to provide joy for you, you will only find a temporary joy. But if you will look to the eternal one, then you will find a joy that will not end. A joy that you can walk in even if the circumstances of your life are not in and of themselves joyful. So where are you looking for joy today? And let me just encourage you, look no further than Jesus. Look no further than Jesus. As we look to the book of Philippians, this is a letter written by the apostle Paul. And Paul is clearly finding joy not in his circumstances. His joy is clearly rooted in Christ. He's Paul is in prison while he is writing this letter. And and yet, while he is writing this letter, it's clear that he is experiencing joy in the midst of of prison. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Now, as you're turning there, I want to remind you of what we looked at last week. Last week, we looked at the end of chapter two and at the end of chapter two paul highlighted two men timothy and epaphroditus these were men that were faithfully serving the philippian church they were faithfully serving christ these were men who's who who were firmly rooted who were firmly holding on to the word of life now on verse 27 of chapter 2 paul tells us that epaphroditus was sick in fact Paul tells us that Epaphroditus was so sick that he nearly died. And so Paul goes on to say, he says, God had mercy on him, on Epaphroditus, and not only on him, but also on me, on Paul, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So I want to take a moment to, to talk about this sorrow upon sorrow. The first sorrow that Paul is referring to is the sorrow that he's experiencing because he is in prison. He he would love to not be in prison. He would love to be with the Philippian church in person. He loved the Philippian church. He would love to be there in person. He'd love to be out of prison, advancing the gospel, going around sharing the gospel. But here he is in prison, and so because he's in prison, he is experiencing this sorrow. He's sad, the second sorrow that he's referring to is this potential sorrow, this sorrow that he could have experienced if Epaphroditus had actually died because of this sickness. Paul's already sad because he's in prison, but, but he would have had sorrow upon sorrow if, if Epaphroditus had actually passed away. Now, I think this is important for me to point out because we're in the midst of a series titled Undeniable Joy, right? Where where the focus of this letter that that has been written by Paul, the focus is undeniably a focus of joy. And, And yet, in this letter of joy, here we see Paul talking about this sorrow that he has and even this potential sorrow that he could have experienced, and so this may seem somewhat contradictory to us. It may seem somewhat paradoxical for Paul to be talking about uh, this joy, but also talking about this, this sorrow that he is experiencing. And so I think that this is a good reminder for us that, that even after we come to Christ, it's okay to still experience human emotions. Even after we come to Christ, it's okay for us to still experience human emotions. There may be times that that you are going through something difficult. There may be times that you're going through a hardship or a tragedy, and you're going to experience human emotions in that time. You're going to experience sorrow sadness you're gonna you're gonna have these emotions that you experience and so I don't want there to be a misconception or a misunderstanding that because we've given our life to Christ we're not going to experience any of these hardships anymore we're not going to experience any of these human emotions that we're not going to have sorrow anymore and I think it's also important to, to say this because I think many times the temptation can be for us to put on a front I know I'm supposed to be happy, so I'm going to pretend like I'm happy, right? And so we put up a front, we put up this facade, but it's okay to still experience human emotions. But understand, what we understand from Paul's letter here is that even though he is experiencing this human emotion of sorrow while he is in prison, he's still able to have and he's still able to walk in joy. You see, our, heart, our happiness and our sorrow, that is going to be impacted by our experiences and by our circumstances. Our, our happiness and sorrow, it, it might change with the ebb and flow of life. But this joy that we're talking about, this true, this biblical joy, it can still be pr- produced in our life, even if our circumstances may be sorrowful circumstances and this is really what we see happening in paul's life here in this letter he's experiencing sorrow because he's in prison but he's also experiencing joy because of the spirit that's at work within him and also because he recognizes that god is still using his time in prison for god's glory and for the advancement of the gospel so let me pause right here and say this. While, while it's okay for us to still experience human emotions, we don't have to be controlled by our human emotions. We don't have to be controlled by our human emotions. It's still okay to experience these human emotions, but, but because we have received someone greater than these human emotions... We don't have to be controlled by them. We may be experiencing sorrow, but we can also experience this true, lasting, biblical joy as we recognize that God is still at work in our lives and in our situation. So Paul experienced sorrow, but he was also walking in in this joy, this this greater joy that was greater than his earthly sorrow. And we're going to continue to see this joy at work in our passage today as as Paul gives some instructions here to the Philippian church. So let's read Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Paul says, In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord, To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss. Because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Now, as we start out looking at chapter three, Paul starts out by saying, in addition, now that's the way the CSB translates it. Other translations, your translation that you're reading may say, finally, finally but i really think that in addition is a better translation because paul uses that word finally like a baptist preacher right he says finally but he's got plenty more to say he's not done talking right and so he says in addition or he says finally and then he gives us an important command he says rejoice in the lord turn to your neighbor and say rejoice turn to your other neighbor and say rejoice and where are we to rejoice? In the Lord, right? We are to rejoice in the Lord. Now we've been talking about joy for several weeks now, but, but it's good to be reminded that we are to rejoice in the Lord, that our joy is to be found in the Lord, that our joy is not to be found in the things of this world, that our joy is to be found in the Lord and the Lord alone. We are to rejoice in the in the Lord. And I think it's it's good to be reminded that we're to rejoice in the Lord because when we do face circumstances that may be difficult, when we do face circumstances that may be sorrowful, if we, if we remember that we are to rejoice in the Lord, then even, then even in those difficult circumstances, even in those sorrowful times, we can take our eyes off of our circumstances and we can place our eyes on the Lord and we can rejoice once again. This is what we see happening with Paul, sorrowful because he's in prison, but also rejoicing in the Lord, knowing that God is at work even while he is in prison. So Paul gives this reminder to the Philippian church that that they're to rejoice in the Lord. Then he goes on to say, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. So this last week was Red Ribbon Week in Stockdale ISD. And if you went to school, if you attended school any time after the year 1988, then you participated in Red Ribbon Week when you were growing up, right? And what does Red Ribbon Week remind us of? What does it remind us of? Don't do drugs, stay off drugs, say no to drugs, right? If you knew the answer to that, then this reminder that Red Ribbon Week has given us year after year for the last 34 years has done its job. This reminder has done its job. So a few years ago, uh, during Red Ribbon Week, our son Ethan had a cold. And because he had a cold, he was taking medicine on a daily basis. And so he turned to Sarah and he said, sadly, I am not drug free. And she said, why not? And he said, because I'm on medicine, and medicine is drugs. (laughs) All right? Because we have this yearly reminder of Red Ribbon Week, right? It's drilled into our kids that they need to stay off drugs, that they need to say no to drugs. So Paul gives this reminder to the Philippian church of where we are to find our joy. We are to rejoice in the Lord. But he also gives this reminder as a safeguard to the Philippian church. But it, but it's also a safeguard to us of things that we are to stay away from, of things that we are to say no to because these things they may masquerade as joy givers. They may masquerade as life givers. They may masquerade as salvation givers. But these things do not provide salvation, life, and joy for us. They cannot offer us true joy. So let's take a look at some of these things this morning. First, true joy is not found in false teachings. True joy is not found in false teachings. Let's look at verses 2 and 3 again. It says, watch out for the dogs. Beware, be alert. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. True joy is not found in false teachings. Now, the false teachings that Paul was dealing with are the same false teachings that he deals with over in the book of galatians because what you had happening after the resurrection of christ after the spread of the gospel is you had both jews and gentiles coming to faith in christ or both jews and non-jews were coming to christ for salvation of course jews had been taught they 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 loved the law they were taught the law they practiced the law And so what we had happening were Jews who had come to faith in Christ were teaching these Gentiles, these non-Jews, that in order to come to Christ, in order to become a Christian, first they needed to become a Jew through circumcision. And so what they were teaching really was that, that something additional needed to be done in addition to Christ's sacrifice for us, that something more was needed. And what Paul is saying is, no, this is a false teaching. I want you to hear me today. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You see, the law cannot save us. The law only reveals to us just how far we fall short and our great need for a savior. And so Jesus came into this world as the perfect sacrifice for us. He lived the perfect life, fully God, fully man. He went to the cross. He died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice, as a fulfillment of the law. And before he hung his head on the cross to die, he said three words It is finished. If you haven't heard me already, I want you to hear me again Jesus is enough. We do not have to, nor are we able to. We cannot add anything to the finished work of the cross. And so for the Jews to tell the Gentiles that they needed to do something more in addition to the finished work of the cross in order to receive salvation was complete foolishness. And Paul says, this is a false teaching. So let me pause right here and say this. False teachings do not provide us with joy. False teachings enslave us further. False teachings do not provide us with joy. False teachings enslave us further. Now, here's the deal with false teachings. They may look appealing to us, and they may sound good at times. We may look at them and believe, man, I am going to get joy out of this. Right? It could be very tempting Even for a non-Jew at that time, it could be tempting to say, oh, there's something I can do to earn my salvation? Great, I'm going to do it. These false teachings, they sound appealing to us at times, but truly they enslave us further because they cannot offer us life, they cannot offer us hope, and they cannot offer us salvation. And because they can't offer us those things, they also can't offer us this true and biblical joy. But I'll tell you who can. Jesus can, because Jesus is enough. And so we have to be alert. We have to watch out for these false teachings. So these things do not get into our lives, deceiving us. We have to stand true on what scripture tells us. And that is that Jesus is enough. So true joy is not found in false teachings. Second, true joy is not found in our own works let's read verses 4 through 6 again Paul said although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh I have more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law of Pharisee regarding zeal persecuting the church regarding the righteousness that is in the law blameless Paul is pointing out all of his good works, but he also recognizes that true joy is not found in good works and his own works. So when I was serving as the children's pastor up in Watauga, every Wednesday night, we didn't have children's choir or kapow like we have here. We had Awana. Now, if you don't know what Awana is, it stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. And Just like in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts in Awana, kids can earn badges, not for starting a fire or going camping. They can earn badges for uh, memorizing scripture. But not only that, every week they would earn, earn points for wearing their uniform, for bringing their Bible, for reciting their scripture, for participating in the theme nights. We did whatever we could to give these kids additional points. But I want you to understand, even if they were perfect in everything they did, even if they never missed a single night of Juana, even if they had a perfect scorecard, none of that could provide salvation for them. Now, those were great things to help them learn and, and grow in their faith, but none of that could provide salvation for them because what we've already seen is that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I've said this multiple times in our series already, but I want to say it again. Salvation is not something that we work for, earn, or achieve. Salvation is something we receive. It's not something we can work for, earn, or achieve. It's something we receive, and we receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. As Paul is warning the Philippian church to, uh, against these false teachings, he gives this reminder That we can't rejoice in our own works because our works cannot provide salvation to us. Our works cannot provide salvation to us. If Paul were to give us his Awana scorecard, which he kind of does here, he's got the perfect scorecard, right? He he was circumcised at the right time on the eighth day. He was part of the nation of Israel, the nation that uh, that we see in the Old Testament entered into this covenant with God. He was born into the perfect tribe, the tribe of Benjamin, which is what provided Israel with their first king. He was a Hebrew born to Hebrew parents. He was a purebred. He kept the law. He he was one of the select few that was selected to be a Pharisee. And just like any good Jew and and any good Pharisee would do, he persecuted the church. He persecuted Christians. For a Jew, you couldn't have a better scorecard than Paul. Paul had the perfect scorecard. Paul had every reason to have confidence in his own flesh But Paul understood when it comes to our salvation, there's only one work that is necessary, and that is the work of Christ on the cross. There's only one work that can save us, and it's not a work that you and I can do. It is the work that Jesus did when he went to the cross. I want you to hear me this morning. Your works will never be enough. Your works will never be enough. It doesn't matter how perfect your scorecard is, your works will never be enough. And so the question is not how faithful are you in in attending church? How faithful are you in serving in ministries? If you've never given your life to Christ, all of that is meaningless because you cannot work for, earn, or achieve your salvation. Salvation is something we receive through Jesus Christ. True joy is not found in false teachings, and true joy is not found in our own works. Finally this morning, or maybe I should say in addition this morning, true joy is not found in the gains of this world. Let's look at verses 7 through 8 again. It says, But everything that was a gain to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung so that I may gain Christ. True joy is not found in the gains of this world. Now, of course, this is in the context of what Paul has been talking about, his perfect scorecard as a Jew, but, but anything that was of value to him as a Jew, as soon as he had that encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, as soon as he became a, a Christian, as soon as his life was transformed by Jesus, he no longer considered any of that again, but now he considered it to be a loss, he considered it to be rubbish, he considered it to be dung. So let me pause right here and say this, whatever you might be pursuing in this world, Jesus is better. Whatever you might be pursuing in this world, Jesus is better. If you go into my office, you're gonna see uh, my master's degree hanging in a nice big frame on my wall. When I graduated, I, I wanted to get a nice big frame for it because I worked hard for that degree and I spent a lot of money on that degree, right? So I wanted to get a nice big frame for this sheet of paper. Right, but, but in comparison to my salvation in Jesus Christ, even though that degree may have value in this world, in comparison to my salvation in Christ, that diploma is trash. It's garbage. It means nothing in eternity. Because when I stand before God on Judgment Day... And when you stand before God on judgment day, he's not gonna ask for your resume or recommendation letters, right? I'm either gonna stand before God having been redeemed by the blood of the lamb or I'm gonna stand before God in my own rebellion. I'm gonna stand before God having been washed by Jesus or I'm gonna stand before God in my own works. I'm either going to be found in Jesus or I'm going to be found outside of Jesus. Those are the only two options for us. When we stand before God, he's not going to look at our works. He's going to look at the finished work of Jesus on the cross and whether or not that's been applied to your life and mine. And so like Paul says, because I've given my life to Christ, the things that I may have valued in this world... Because of Christ, those things are rubbish. Those things do not have value any longer. So let me just pause right here and ask, what are you pursuing in this world? What are you pursuing in this world? Money, success, stuff. Again, those things are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but if you're pursuing those things to bring you hope, to bring you life, to bring you joy, then you are going to be found wanting because none of those things can offer the life, the salvation, the hope, and the joy that we can find in Jesus Christ. Whatever you might be pursuing in this world, Jesus is better. And when we come to know Jesus as Lord, when we recognize that he's the life giver, that he's the hope giver, that he is the joy giver. When, When we come to him and him alone, then we receive the greatest gain that we can ever receive. We gain Jesus himself. And when we gain Jesus, we also gain all of these other things, including this true and biblical joy that we're talking about. True joy, it's not found in false teachings, It's not found in our own works, and it's not found in the gains of this world. As humans, we're looking for joy, but are we looking for joy in all the wrong places? And let me encourage you, once again, look no further than Jesus. Jesus is where we can find true joy, true hope, true salvation. Jesus is where we can find all of the gains that we need, and so the question that I have for you as we close is, do you know Jesus as Lord? And if you don't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond today. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, you know what? Honestly, I've been, I've been chasing after everything else to provide joy for me. Or I've been depending upon my own works to provide salvation for me. But today I recognize that I need to pursue Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Today if you are ready to come to know Jesus as Lord. Then as we sing this song I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you step out of your seat? Would you join me down front? I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. Today can be the day that you come to receive the greatest gain that you will ever receive. You can receive Jesus himself. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've already received Jesus, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of obedience in baptism. Now we don't believe that baptism saves us. We've already said nothing can be added to the finished work of the cross, but we do believe that it's something that God calls us to as believers. If we're going to walk in obedience, then this is the first step to take in obedience. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never been baptized, then I would love to talk with you. You can respond as well. We can get your baptism on the schedule. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to to connect my life with this church body, to be on mission with this church body. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Today, you can become a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, my encouragement to you is simply respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week.